This is Blake Seven in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by Five to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs, who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. Hello, and welcome to episode five, and the first of our special episodes. In this one, we're not going with an individual, but a whole group of them, and them being the mutoids, and joining me, as usual is the cybernetically enhanced Ian Marchant. Hello, Eric. Hello, Ian. What bit of you is actually cybernetically enhanced? What bit of me isn't? Yeah, well, it's probably not my brain. My brain is still clockwork. I'm still analogue. Right. But didn't Um, we decide everything in Blake 7 is analogue? It's analogue, yes. It's an analogue universe. So that does fit Which is a really interesting idea, I think, that this was... This was a futuristic thing done before digital, which makes me feel very old. It does, doesn't it? I do wonder, you know, I mean, my children have have all watched Blake 7, um, but they've, I don't know if they look upon it as a bit puzzling or a bit quaint, when every bit of technology is is just so much chunkier than anything that they've got. Do you think they refer to it as that, that, like my dad's program or dad's funny program? I think what it I, I think it is more than say Doctor Who. You know, all yeah. all three children they've grown up on Doctor Who since they were yeah. old enough to well, watch Doctor, Doctor Who's Who. become sort of of coolish again, hasn't it? It has. With, well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I, our children are cool in that that, that they can watch a William Hartnell, they can watch a Patrick yeah. Troughton and get as as much enjoyment out of it as a Peter Capaldi or a Matt Smith. And going forward uh, with the new series, they don't. I don't think they make any kind of like distinction between no, the I, technology I right. and when, the two. When our when our kids were uh, young enough that they were, you know, I was sort of trying to introduce them to sci-fi and things like that, and uh, they would happily watch a black and white film or a black and white program and not worry about it. Yet yeah, the the thing you hear from like the BBC and ITV and everything else is that all oh, black and white doesn't sell. Black and white doesn't mm. really does it. Mm. Mm. I think that it's their prejudice showing, not the viewers. I think so. I think yeah. so. All right, so we're going to talk mutoids today. Yeah, um, pasty-headed buffins. Yeah. I my my first question for you was any thoughts of them before we start, and I guess that's <laughs> your <laughs> yeah. that's you summed up, is it? Pasty-headed yeah. no, buffins. Um, it was really interesting because before I did the 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 air quotes research of watching a few episodes for this chat, um, I didn't really. I thought. Uh, they're not they're not very consistent and they're not very interesting and not, and my view has changed a bit i think um right I, I appreciate them a little bit more um but i'm still not entirely certain that they ever lived up to whatever potential they might have had i very much agree with you i th- i th- i think the potential was there Definitely. i think as aesthetically you know, they that they sit right alongside the Federation guards, don't they? Yeah. Um, and I think I don't know if this was going to actually be the case, but I mean, we're going to go through this, you know, um, episode by episode that they're in. But it's very rare that you actually saw a male um, mutoid. 
Well, you see, you I... see it happen in uh, the early episodes, don't you? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I'm wondering if, do you think somewhere back before they actually got to filming that maybe the mutoids were like the female version of Federation troops and the males were in the traditional Federation troop garb? Well, I, I thought that because I, I, I thought, I wonder if... I, I mean, I... I I don't know whether Terry Nation. I mean, he does like mutos and mutoids, and he he likes mutants, doesn't he? Mm. Or he did. Um, so I imagine, yeah, I, I imagine it was probably his idea. But I thought that as well watching this. I thought, I wonder if these uniforms were made as the officer class, and then they went, oh, let, let's let's call them mutoids. Let's get, and it sort of organically grew from that. I don't mm. know. But yeah, I, I I wonder if you're right that they were only ever going to be sort of the, the the female officer types. Yeah, I know that they you know very from the very get go back when you're in pre-production stages, you know that the look was locked in the 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 outfit that we see at the beginning, the pasty as you say on their head, yeah. was designed by Barbara Lane. God knows what that's made out of. We're getting a bit ahead of ourselves yeah, here, but yeah. I, I, I'm assuming it's some sort of like you know sculpt which was then you know cast in fiberglass yeah. or something. Well, I don't, I don't know. It, it's got a look of um, like vulcanized rubber, hasn't it? Hmm. Which I know that the BBC used to love making things out of vulcanized rubber, presumably because they had the facilities to do it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because I watching this, and especially you're watching um, episodes with Mark One Travis in. Uh, that their uniforms are very similar to his. And mm. I thought, now, is it because that's the uniform, or that was supposed to be the uniform of uh, the Federation? Or is it that Travis himself has a high bionic rebuild? And so is this meant to be the look that that people with cyborg enhancements have? Or, oh. I, well, I don't know, but it's it's very similar. They change, you... obviously, as you go on, as they become cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Yes. Um, but, we'll yeah, they're very similar that. to Travis's. So yeah. are you suggesting, then, that if Travis hadn't had this, you know, shootout with Blake that lost him his arm and his eye, that maybe the Travis that we saw see wouldn't be dressed in this black clobber? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, if we discount Travis Mark II... Uh, for the time being, because obviously the, the other thing with Blake 7 is everything's very fluid, <laughs> so mm. it's not necessarily an idea. I Because we don't see any other um, Federation, I was going to say Starfleet then, going to Star Trek, we don't see One any Federation. other Federation officer wearing leather fetish gear, do we like that? They're all, they're, they're, they're in black, but they're, they're not, they don't look like that, they don't have that feel. The only other people that have a feel that's close is the mutoids and mm. Travis himself requests them because he says he empathizes with them because of the high bionic implant or whatever word in he uses. And I, that's when I thought, I wonder if this is like, you know, like the early Cybermen, a cybernetic arm or leg was, it was covered in silver material. And that was, yeah. and, that, and I wonder if this is the Blake seven version that, that this is, this is the look that cyborgs have. I don't know, because, you know, Travis, um, you know, he's classified as a space commander. And an episode we're going to be talking about shortly, Hostage, um, you do... That's the only other time in Blake 7 you see another person with the rank of space commander. And he's in a pursuit ship with two mutoids. And he's wearing exactly the same outfit that Travis is. So that is a space commander's outfit, I think. But by, but by then, Travis is... 
changed outfits, haven't he? He's got he's got the that's true. Yeah, he's got the Mark II uh, uh, fabric sort of nylon yes. uniform. So yeah, it's it, the thing with Blake Seven. It's very it's very difficult to be too analytical about it because they seem to make stuff up as they went along. And they were never Which, expecting yeah. people to analyse no. it to the degree that everybody it, and us are doing so. Yeah, I imagine as a you're 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 a sort of starship modeller uh, person, and I imagine if you ever wanted to chart the history of the Federation craft for Blake Seven, that would be a horrible nightmare because <laughs> they it's like every episode, especially season two and three, every episode you see them in, they look completely different, absolutely yeah. completely different designs. There is going to be a special episode of this show some way in the future, which is going to be devoted to space flight, oh. okay, and the mechanics and the idea be- behind space flight in this universe. So we'll save that for then, yeah. okay? Yeah. All right, so anyway, here we go then, the Mutoids. We first hear about the Mutoids two episodes before we actually see them, and yeah, that's sure. in Seek, Late, Locate, Destroy. Have you approved my requisitions for personnel and equipment? The ships you want, the Starburst class. I'm not sure I can get them. What? There've only been three of them built so far, and they've already been assigned to the Galactic Eighth Fleet. Well, get them reassigned to you. Look, from what we already know about Blake's ship, it's vastly superior to anything we've got. If I understand even a reasonable chance of taking him, I need those three high-range pursuit ships. You'll have them. What about my crew? Already assigned. Why mutoids, particularly? Why mutoids? I've always thought that individuals with a high bionic rebuild were more reliable, less likely to let emotion interfere with judgment or duty. I give a mutoid priority over a man every time. Now, perhaps it's this that gives me a fellow feeling. Does it still trouble you? Well, not in the way you mean. The surgical mechanics did a perfect refit. Uh, tra- that's the first time we ever see Travis. It's the first time we ever see Serverland, isn't it? It is, and, yeah. It's, it's yeah, a lot of firsts in that one. And it's, there I is think a lot it's probably my favourite season one episode. It is a it's a cracking yeah. one. It really yeah. is. Um, Travis says that he wants them as the crew on his Starburst class ships. Yeah. Okay. So we get the idea that the pursuit ships he wants are special, aren't they? They're yes. Not, yeah. They're not bog standard uh, craft. These are like the the cream of the cream. These are the you know the fill in your the top uh, fighter plane that we've got yeah. at the moment type craft. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, at this point in the show, we still we, we've heard mention of pursuit ships. You hear about them yes. in Cygnus Alpha, but you don't see them. We haven't yet seen the pursuit ships. And and yes, Travis wants uh, mutoids for his crew as of, of his Starburst class, and he yeah. says he prefers individuals with a high bionic rebuild. Yeah, um, as they're less likely to let emotion impede their judgment. Yeah, which was another watching this was another sort of starts you thinking about because of the like my memory of the mutoids was they're a bit bland and then then you watch this and you think well are they a bit bland because they've had their emotions removed yes which they think and um it's like why why is that scene again it's a very 1970s thing isn't it why is that scene that an emotionless creature mm. is superior to an emotional creature because it de- definitely is a case of delivery on all the mutoids that we're going to talk about. They do have this cold, yeah. clipped delivery. Um, yeah. We were talking about, you know, um, um, uh, 
Blake Seven on effectively speaking, and you and you pointed out once that you know maybe the way things are in Blake Seven is the only other thing at that time really that we had to judge or follow in 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 the footsteps of yeah, Star, Trek. Star Trek, and it's the Vulcan thing of if you're an alien, you you you've got to be have this cold yeah. delivery, no emotion character, you know, and it might be playing into that a bit here as well. Yeah, it could well be that that emotionless is more intelligent mm. you know which is it's which is ironic it, it does show that that travis isn't a few a full mutoid stroke bionic person is he because he gets emotional <laughs> yeah a fair bit well he know. does say doesn't he that but it's yeah. perhaps his bionic hand that gives him yeah. a fellow feeling and a um yeah, yeah. you know a comradeship with, yeah. with the mutoids yeah i but I wonder how, I mean, I'd love to know how much of the mutoids is human and how much is, is uh, you know, Meccano. Do you think, <laughs> Meccano, do you think it's a bit like uh, the Borg in that each one has a varying degree of yeah, what has I, been augmented? I think so. Because uh, I'm re-watching this, these episodes for this chat. I, I, I'd sort of, for some reason, I thought the, the pasty head was their head. But it's obviously a hat because you see hair sticking out of it, and you see him without that yes. helmet on. And um, so yeah, I don't know where are are they are they robotic or is the bionic part just in their brains? Or I know mm. they've been like converted to run off uh, of files of blood, but that seems a strange, yeah. strange thing. Yeah. Well, um, we're, we're going yeah. to be talking soon about how, you know, Serverland asks for their, their minds to be wiped, yeah. you know, um, yeah. so there, yeah. there's definitely something mental as well as physical to them. And De- definitely, it, yeah. In our episode um, about Koza, we were saying about how Rochelle says that disobedient people can be, yeah. you know, uh, converted. And we were speculating then that maybe that's what happens when you have, you know, dissidents and rebels, you can wipe their minds. Maybe, you know, this whole story would have gone a different way if that is what happened to Blake. What That's what yeah. they decided to do with Blake in the first episode is just turn does, him into a mutoid. Does that mean we would have got a, 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 a sort of bland uninterest in uh, robotically speaking Blake. <laughs> I'm not commenting. No, um, I'm not going anywhere near that. No, no, um. no. And the other thing I thought of is maybe mutoids aren't just disobedient rebels um, become mutoids, but maybe, yeah. you know, regular Federation troops that are battle damaged, you know, and have arms and limbs blown off, that they are recycled, if you like, and augmented and, uh, with bionic parts and turned into mutoids. But yeah, but Tra- Travis mentions that mutoids have their personalities wiped because he, he taunts Kiera. Yeah. Um, and then she immediately says her name in a different manner, which is interesting. <laughs> um, and he, he's having a little bit of a... a he's bored, and he? He's stuck up a tree, he's bored. Well, he yes. wants to torment her. Um, but he sort of says it in a rather creepy way that, oh, you were very beautiful, beautiful. you were much admired, yeah. And it's like... I wonder what, yeah, what did she do to warrant this treatment? Mm. There's so much in Blake 7 that you'd like to know more of. But then yeah, you but know I like if they had explained it, it would have been terrible. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I was about to say. I yeah. like it. I, I, I like things like this where you just yeah. have a line of dialogue and you go, oh, I wonder what that means then. And yeah. it's up to you to think it up. And I think what you can come up with in your, your head rather than, say, Trevor Hoyle 
writing yeah. for you, um, it, it it's going to be more interesting and you're not going to be disappointed. I like the way that you have all these little nuggets and insights yeah. into this universe. You know, just, just uh, enough to get the story through. But yes, yeah, it, it keeps you guessing and going, I wonder, I wonder. Yeah. All right. So um, we see them for the first time in the episode Duel. Um, yes. And it's yeah. also the first time we see the Pursuit ships as well. Well, it's a photo of the Pursuit ships. The very first time you ever see a Pursuit ships, it's a photo of three of them. Okay. Which is, I think that's a cunning ploy by Travis, isn't it? He's put a photo up in space to distract. <laughs> Are uh, you saying that's a big billboard? I think so, yeah. It's, it's yeah. the equivalent of, of painting a, a roadway on a wall with a tunnel, isn't it, for the, like, Bugs Bunny? Roadrunner. <laughs> yeah. So I think Avon's going to chase towards them, and Travis right. is going to come up behind and go, ha Yeah, that is a cunning plan. Yes. Yes. Uh, we're not going to really talk any more about the Pursuit ships, because, again, they're coming yeah. up in a special episode as well. Um, but Serverland says there's only three Starburst-class ships built so far, so... There's three here, so I'm guessing these are the Starburst ones that she was yes. talking about um, before. And yeah, I we... like these are the top ones, aren't they? Yeah, these top of the three. range. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we go inside, and there's Travis with his crew. Uh, he's got two mutoids, uh, one yes. male and one female. Estimate approach speed. Time distort six. Minimum scan. The sensors must have registered the beam. Scan complete. Analysis. Identification confirmed. Blake. The other patrols have pushed him into this galaxy. I knew it. I knew it. This time I've got him. Target vehicle maintaining course and speed. Set for orbital compensation. We'll use the planet to mask us from his scanners. Orbital shift computed. Execute. Make it random pulse emission. I'm not going to lose him now. Now, they're wearing black. Now, you have made tons of costumes over the years. Yeah. Looking at this, what do you reckon that material is made out of? Um, well, I mean, it's it's several things, isn't it? Depending on, on what part you're looking at. But the actual uniform, I think, is just fairly cheap sort of nylon probably ripstop nylon something like that right um, i am at, yeah i imagine it's similar to the uh, federation guards uniform because right. um, wasn't that a boiler suit or something well, or that, that was a bell staff motorcycle suit that's right which yes. obviously were were very uh, prevalent in the 70s and um, now incredibly so rare because everybody yeah. keeps buying them up <laughs> exactly it's a bit, it's a bit like the um the bell staff uh, crash helmets that they made the Space 1999 helmets out of. At mm. the time, you could pick them up like for pennies. Now they're worth a fortune because everyone's buying them up to cut them up into space helmets. Indeed, um, indeed. But yeah, I mean, it's, um... sorry, you were going to say something. No, no, I was, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, that 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 is the basis. There's straps there, and they've got gloves, and you've got that natty helmet thing that we were talking about. Yeah. I, I, I think in the next episode we're going to talk about. I think we find the reason for it, although. I don't understand the shape of it. Um, it's a strange shape, and it's it's quite organic when nothing else is very organic about the Federation. Well, not until you get Serverland's very organic-looking 
command ship that she yeah, gets in I the didn't third like series. Yeah. I didn't like that. We'll talk yeah. about that nearer, uh, later on. But I here... Th I think that's a model that they left in the, the dryer for too long. <laughs> when it melted. It melted. Yeah. <laughs> but as I say, I mean, the whole outfit it was designed by Barbara Lane. And this yeah. finished helmet, it's remarkably faithful to her original sketch. I'll put it up on the Facebook oh, right. page. Um, yeah, it, it, it's identical. Uh, they've been very faithful. Um, only the female talks... And as I say, I, she, she starts from the get-go, um, this very cold and deadpan delivery. Yeah, it's... Um, and again, I, I think as soon as actors read robotic or cyborg, or it's straight into, like, say, Spock territory, yes. the, the I am a robot style. Mm, yeah. Well, we next see them just after we've seen the photo of the pursuit ships again, and uh, the female is undoing a Velcro-held cover on her yeah. front to reveal a piece of foam uh, with a recess cut out for a clear tube. Yeah, that I mean that that's got the look to me of a last-minute edition. Mm. I think because um, it looks so cheap and nasty, and it doesn't. I mean, it, the, the, at this point in the show, the the uniforms are pretty nicely made. Because I knew there was obviously a bit of money there at the beginning, um, and that bit just looks horrible. The other thing that annoys me is that Travis would allow eating at your desk. <laughs> I don't think he would. That is a good point. That yeah. is a good point. Um, what I, I, I find a puzzler here is we we learn that they need regular fixes of blood yes. serum. Um, is it Vulcan blood because it's it's bright green? Well, we don't. I mean, we don't know what been done to process it but later on in the episode they they do show that they can take just blood yeah that, that's true yeah so i don't yeah it is a bit strange but perhaps um perhaps that was it perhaps that's why they speak like vulcans yeah this tube full of the blood serum looks like a spirit level to me yeah do you think a mutoid a could be used as a spirit level if if you got that girl and laid her on a table you could tell whether the table was flat or not i i think i think that possibly is a, a use for them yes you could say that the mutoids would, would help you if you want to see if somebody's on the level. Ha ha. You could say that, but you'd probably regret yeah, it. I won't. Yeah, I won't. Yeah, no, no, that was a bit rubbish. You know, I apologise for that. Yes. Meeting show target is assumed a stationary orbit. Excellent. Orbit confirmed at 1,000 spatials from the planet's surface. This is hardly the time for that. Normally I wouldn't do it in the presence of an unmodified. Forget your coyness. I'm aware of your need for blood serum. Most are. A few accept it for what it is. Functional convenience. Opponents of mutoid modification call us vampires. Rather appropriate, isn't it? It is immaterial. I await your orders, Commander. Attack formation. Um, the mutoid, she says that normally she wouldn't do it in the presence of an unmodified. Yeah. And, yeah, and now that term is the same term that Rochelle uses in Weapon when she's talking about disobedient people, that they've been modified. Yeah, and I think I, they got to be talking about the same thing, I, I reckon. Mm. So I wonder if this is like... Because something else that's always annoyed me, really, is that 
why do they bother going to the effort of shipping the prisoners to uh, Cygnus Alpha? Cygnus Alpha. <laughs> which is like several galaxies away. Eight months I mean, away. Yeah, A, either just shoot them. You're, you know, you're a fascist regime. You, you presumably don't have to worry about PR. There's no other government's going to censor you. Um, or, this is a really good idea, to blank their minds and turn them into soldiers. Yeah. Why you're don't they do that with all of them? Yeah. Ian, you're getting ahead of yourself. We are having a Brian Blessed episode in the future. We've we've got... Actually, I watched that over breakfast this morning, um, Cygnus Alpha, and I'd forgotten how how shouty he is in that. So, uh, It's Prime Blessed, that is. I'll give you advance warning for going out and buying earplugs for when we uh, do that one. But... This thing about, you know, the mutoids, they need this blood serum to survive. Yeah. Can we take it from that, that maybe the organic parts of their bodies, they, they can't eat and process food normally anymore. They have to get it straight into their blood. So maybe their stomach and their entrails and everything, that is mechanical now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it raises several interesting points, doesn't it? A, she says, I don't normally do this in front. So why are you doing it now, dear? Now, is it does it fit in that Travis is driving them so hard that they're not getting I think their that's regular breaks? He's been waiting get... for ages. He's yeah. got them on standby, you know, red alert, ready for the Liberator to arrive. Um. So, so yeah, it's a again quite nicely all tied together. Um, but it doesn't look like it's the vial doesn't look very big. So I wonder how long it keeps you going. Presumably not that long because it's not that long afterwards in episode terms that that she has she starts feeling a bit faint mm. you know so presumably it doesn't last too long so it seems a poor design yeah. um and also yeah do they do they eat normally i don't know but i know that that something that that is suffered by um that sort of strange strange weirdy people that think they're vampires and drink blood a terrible after effect of drinking blood is that it gives you terrible diarrhea. <laughs> you know, it goes straight through you. Uh, so I, I don't. I, I wonder if this is a problem for mutoids. Are you saying mutoids have some sort of a nappy system built into their outfits? Yeah, I, I perhaps they've got like a still suit. They've got, you know, they've got feces <laughs> pads on the knee, on the thighs. Um, I don't know. Okay. I think it could be all connected. <laughs> It could be. You say vampires there. She mentions vampires. She yes. says that yeah. opponents to mutoid modification call them vampires. What I like about Blake 7 is there is very little uh, mention of the world before whatever. Yeah. Again, it, it's left very open-ended that there was something happened and that we, we have this new calendar and, you, you know... Terrans have you know reset basically after war or whatever yeah and you know we know you know that re- religion has been you know outlawed all these things have been outlawed but the fact that she calls them vampires we know in this far future that knowledge of myths and legends at least have continued haven't they yeah um i mean i think they on a couple of other episodes on different things they sort of they refer back to 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 myths and things like that don't they so i imagine they have survived. It surprises me that in in a, a, a Terry Nation script they don't call them space vampires. Mm. I think he missed the beat there. Um, but it's interesting that they don't really go anywhere with that. It's mm. and again, this happen, seems to happen a lot in in sort of Blake Seven stories where they they would 
again, you get this feeling that they're making stuff up or changing stuff. If it doesn't work, change, especially season one. Mm. And the way it's set up, you you got a feeling this was going to be a much bigger thing, uh, that they were vampires. Um, and it's never really mentioned again, is it? I don't think. Mm. Yeah. Other than yeah. obviously in this, this story, uh, which, um, or again, uh, as a child, I, I really liked Jewel, but it's so obviously um, the the Star Trek episode where Kirk fights the Gorn. Yeah. <laughs> it, so, I prefer so, this one, though. I, I, um, the Horror Channel had Star Trek on the other day when I was flicking channels, and I came across the bit where Kirk is very, very, <laughs> very slowly fighting yeah. that Gorn with his Gorn with his slowly moving arms and that, and it was... Oof. <laughs> you know? yeah. I think has I prefer it, has this. It aged well, has it? Not at all. All right, but they go down to the planet. You know, we're, we're zipping quite a way forward through Jewel. But uh, yeah, Travis and his friend are, are beamed down. He's got to take somebody down with him um, because, um, you know, Blake and Jenna have gone down to the planet. Again, yeah. we're, we're skipping over this because, you know, the two ladies of this story, they're going to be in an upcoming episode. So we're. Yeah. We're only focusing on the mutoid bit. So let's fast forward where, you know, it's night time. They're up a tree. And as you say, Travis is asking her if she remembers who she was before she was modified. And he's kind of like trying to goad her with information. Yeah, he, he, I mean, Stephen Grief plays this so well. This is a, this is a great Travis episode, I think. Mm. Um, and he, yeah, he's just, he's just bored, isn't he? That's the, the, the feeling you get he's bored and he's he's poking the ant's nest tell me something do you remember who you were i don't understand the question Commander. yes you do in your previous life before you were modified do you know who you were of course not aren't you curious about it no i find that hard to believe Memory is an encumbrance. All trace of it is removed, and with it, all trace of identity. But it doesn't concern you. Why should it? That identity doesn't exist, even in the central computers. Yes, it does. I know who you were. Your name was Kiera. 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 You were very beautiful. Very much admired. Shall I go on? As you wish. This doesn't interest you at all, does it? How could it? Keep watch. Yes, Commander. Yeah. And that's what he's trying to get a reaction from uh, the, the mutoid. And I love the fact that he's, he's so disgruntled that she doesn't rise to his bait. Yeah. He does seem quite put out that she doesn't yeah. react. But uh, watching that again, I was thinking, well, may, did he know her? You know, did, did they in the past maybe have a relationship or something? Um, I, I never really got that feeling. I think Travis, because he's a good uh, commander, he's gone and looked at the the records of all of his uh, crew. Travis is one of those interesting characters where he does everything right, Mm. but the only reason he doesn't win is because Blake's got the hero exemption card. (laughs) In in the real world, Blake would have been dead 
several minutes into seek locate destroy because travis would have killed (laughs) travis is up until season two travis mark one travis is all his plans and all they're they're quite sensible Mm. they're quite well laid out they're quite well thought out um and I think, yeah, I, I I never got a feeling that he had sort of, and oh God, they could have gone down that route, couldn't they? Of the, you used to be my sister, or something, you know, or yeah. you used to be my lover. Oh, that would have been And I'm glad crap. they did. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad they didn't. And I, but I just get the feeling that he, he wanted to know the backstory, because she sort of says that no one can know, no one knows. It's not even kept at sort of central records. Mm. And Travis is like, ha, says you. Uh, <laughs> I think you're right. He's bored, yeah. isn't he? He just wants a bit yeah. of sport. Yes, yes. All right, well, in the morning, Travis, he finds a bunch of... I'm guessing they're bats. You don't really see them yeah. properly. They, that, 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 they look like, like Hammer Hammer era uh, well, rubber it, bats. It does look like um, Black Park, doesn't it, where they're filming it? So it does it look like Black... Yeah, most definitely. Bats, yeah. And they look like Woolworth's um, rubber bats. Yeah, he finds yeah. a whole bunch lying dead at the base of the tree and, and you know, the mutoid had caught them during the night and drained them as her serum level was low and travis says well you can have jenna for that when yeah. i'm done with it you know yeah you can't have blake <laughs> no you can't play you can have jenna i want blake what were these things doing at the foot of the tree hmm? they came in the night i trapped them you did more than that my serum supply is running low there was little blood in each of them. There's a lot of blood in me. There still is, Commander. You are a Federation officer, as I am. Yeah. Just as long as you remember that. Do you now believe we mutoids are vampires? I believe you're useful. Get on with it. And again, we're skipping quite ahead through through the episode um, when Jenna's been caught. And the mutoid, she deploys a needle from out of yeah. her forearm armor to get it, but Travis stops her. So they do have this facility of obtaining uh, blood should they need it if they can't find their little yeah, which is it. which again is a, a sensible uh, a sensible thing to plan into your soldiers that they can exist on basically their prisoners. Mm. It, you know, it, it, it it's quite quite a sensible. Uh, move on designing these creatures. It worries me a bit that that this particular mutoid eats at her desk, eats while on the job. Not yeah, she's. I I, I wouldn't want to have her in my employ. Well, I think maybe that explains why she so rubbishly goes out. Because the next time we see her, she has yeah. a fight with Jenna and gets her head knocked against the tree, and that's it. She's yeah. out of it. Um, um, and the next time we see her, she's dead. She's kind of like propped up against a tree. Um, I don't think it's the knock that did it. I think it's the serum runs out. But I like that she, the way she sat propped up against a tree. She's like a broken doll, isn't she? Yeah. And Travis is very dismissive. He's and you know they they they, they say to him, don't they? Oh, we'll bring her back to life or something. It's like, well, don't matter. You know, I, all yeah, I'm interested got, in is Blake. He's got no interest. She she is purely a a, a commodity. Yes, um, which is which is interesting because it does show a certain uh, I don't know well, you wouldn't call it speciesist because they're still human. But so l- later on in in season two in trial, uh, Trooper Parr says that he always respected Travis because hmm. Travis didn't waste soldiers. Yes, 
And yet in this, Travis is quite happy to waste. I mean, he, he lets one of the pursuit ships use all its battery power uh, in a distracting Blake. So presumably they died. Yeah. He, he couldn't give a monkeys about Kiera. Um <laughs> I love the way he says that word. It's just brilliant. Um, he doesn't give a monkeys about her. She's gone. Um, so it's, yeah, he's a, he's a bit, He's a bit blasé about the old, considering he's got sympathy with them because they've got high bionic in. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, but not when not when it comes to Blake. Blake is no, the be all true. and end all. Yeah. You know, he he doesn't care about anything. He just wants Blake. Yeah. All right. Well, that's duel over. I mean, what we've been doing with this show is, you know, we will talk about the character and then we've got a bit of a, a background on the character. Now we've got two mutoids here, um, and they were played by the guy was a guy by the name of Christopher Holmes, and. Can you say her name again? You can say it better than me. Kiera. Was played by Carol Royal. Okay. Now, um, it's really strange. Watching it, I feel I know her from something. Yeah. Do you know what? I had this exact same thing, and I couldn't work out whether it's just I've watched the episode too many times. It is. Well, I'm thinking exactly the same. I feel I know her from loads of things, but when I check the IMDb, nothing's ringing a bell. So the mm. only thing is, it's either that, yes, we watched this so much when we were younger, or, because IMDb doesn't cover this, she was in a bunch of adverts or something. Possibly, you know? yes. yeah. And so you just recognise, because I, I know that face. Because, um, uh, who's the, one of the Blake Seven actresses is in um, the R. White's advert, isn't she? You know, she's she? the, the wife. Yeah, I think she's the wifey opening the fridge. Oh, is she? I think so. Before, I might before be Elvis, Cos- before Elvis Costello's dad comes down yes. and starts singing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Oh, I have to I look that so. up. All right. I might be well, she's definitely wrong. not a I'm mutoid. Yeah. I'm sure she's no, not a mutoid. Anyway, as I say, you know, it's traditional to end end each episode with a genre tally. And uh, this Carol Royal, we'll focus on her because she's the one with the speaking role. She's only got a genre tally of two. Um, Blake Seven here, and something I never watched because I couldn't stand the bloke, uh, Crime Traveller. Oh, God, yeah. Do you remember Crime Traveller with that guy that used to be in EastEnders? Yeah, I never watched it. Um, But, yeah, I remember at the time it had a terrible reputation as being cheesy. Yeah, no, no, I didn't go there. I didn't go there. All right, so that's it. That's Jewel done. The next time we see Mutoids uh, is in Project Avalon. Another good episode. It's a very good episode, and we're just going to talk about the Mutoids because that is coming up very soon on an episode of Blake Seven in Character, somebody from that show, all right? But we're just focusing on the Mutoids today. Um, Travis is back on the job, and he's brought his Mutoids with him. And the very first thing we see in this episode is Travis... And the main mutoid of this episode, again a female, this time played by Glynis Barber. Yeah. It's <laughs> Sue Lynn. Sue Lynn, I'd, before I, she I'd was love to have Sue heard, I'd love to hear Stephen Grief say Sue Lynn, actually. Oh, it's yeah. so funny. Yeah, Sue yeah, yeah, yeah. Lynn. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like Travis's Parker in this one. That was my first I was gonna say. I was going to say, you know, he's wrapped up against this yeah, uh, superimposed snow. Yeah, that's a big coat, and that's a massive furry hood. I think anybody else would look very silly in that hood. Yeah. But with that eye patch that he's he got. He still on, looks hard, you know. doesn't he? he still yeah. Look, even though he's wearing a, uh, you know, something that we probably all wore as kids in the 70s. Do you remember the um Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, um, parts, the, yeah, yeah, the Yanarak things. Yeah. Yeah, I had a black one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I had a zip uh, that did happen. You look like Kenny from uh, you did. South Park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, again, uh, without saying anything, you get an idea here of just inference because Travis is there. He's got this whacking great big coat with a whacking great big hood with all the fur and done right up, like you say, trying to look like Ken- Kenny. But Glynis Barber has got no uh, extra clothing. She's still in a regular outfit, which infers, I think, that... Mutoids don't feel heat. They don't feel yeah. cold. So how much, again, how much of them is... Because if you, if you put bionic implants in yourself, your skin's still going to you know, get frostbite, I would yes. have thought. I don't know. Uh, perhaps it's, she doesn't feel the cold because to her, to, for what she would wear later on in Jane, this she's positively <laughs> overdressed. She's boiling hot in that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, next time we see her, she's in Wookiee Hole and she's um, <laughs> up, 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 up on a ledge yeah. uh, looking down at a guard. And the next minute, this is a Mutoid uh, special ability, she turns into Stuart Fell. Um, yeah. And then, and a then lot leaps of people in down. the 70s had that ability, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, Tom yeah. They Baker could transform. Had that ability a lot, yeah. You know, in Battle of the Planets, they had transmute and they would turn into yeah. you know, their superhero versions. Yeah, in the BBC, a lot of people turned into Stuart Fell. Do you think it was like, uh, you know, in the old Sinbad cartoon or, or Arabian Nights where they'd go, size of a Stuart Fell? Yeah. And you turn into Stuart Fell. I haven't looked into Stuart Fell, but do you think that's actually a nickname and it's just because he falls off a lot of things? He might be I called don't... Jones or something. Yeah. But Stuart, Stuart does fall. Wouldn't you rather, though, if you're sa- of a stuntman, be called Stuart Safe Landing? Yeah. Uh, Stuart, um, Stuart walked away from it. Yeah, if you ever do him, of course, his tally will be enormous. Oh, that that, that he would win hands yeah, down. Yeah, you've heard he? you've heard that here first, folks. That Stuart Fell had a, an enormous tally. <laughs> he, he he's got two big tallies here because you know it's him as a mutoid jumping off, and he's going to be the guy that Travis is going to whack in the face with his pistol yeah. shortly as well. That's Stuart Fell as well. But we're about. not talking about Stuart Fell. Maybe we will do Stuart Fell's, yeah, um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, run on Blake Seven as a later episode. Um, but no, we we cut back to Glynis Barber as the mutoid, and she kills the guard barehanded with very little effort. All the uh, while, am I, I was going to say, am I um, am I the only one that thinks she actually acts better in this episode than she does later as Sulin? She certainly does. I was going to say, I do like her in it. And I was just about to say, all the while she's killing this person, she's got a small trace of a smile. You know, just the edge of her mouth is just raised up a little bit. Um, And it's something she does for the rest of the episode. And are we supposed to learn here that mutoids are much stronger than regular humans? Yeah, I think throttle someone so quickly like that. Well, see, I, I think that's. That's what we're meant to imply, but it doesn't follow from the last episode, does it, where Jenna beat one up? Oh, that's true. Yeah, but she was low on blood serum. That's true, yeah. I know I know. if I get my insulin wrong, I uh, I feel like that. I could be beaten up by a kitten. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think wouldn't, if you were going to have soldiers that, were, that you bothered doing this for, you would want them to be a bit stronger, wouldn't you? I would yes. Otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. But she brings out this natty, clunky, chunky device for signalling the other mutoids. And again, it's, it's, it's <laughs> an analogue device. This yeah. isn't digital. Because it, it makes us sound like some sort of semaphore, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. It's, yeah, it's definitely analogue. Yeah. There's clockwork in there somewhere. Yeah. And outside, we've got three female mutoids just standing stock still in the middle of that blizzard again very borg like you know they're turned yeah. off until they're activated well i thought it was interesting as well but so they've obviously all got 
a central communication system. Mm. Um, so yeah, how much how much of them is robot? Yeah. But I'm I'm wondering now. This is the reason for the helmets. I think there's some sort of radio receiver in them. Yeah, you know. Like, because... Do you think that's that's why they're so tall? It's got a telescopic TV oh, area. Yeah, yeah. If if you take that off, yeah, you know, most of it is aerial inside. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, I yeah. might be right. I could explain it. Yeah, and uh, we get the same thing inside. You've got a group of four mutoids again, um, female. Then a group of three. All female, um, well, nearly all female. I mean, is is this a case that most mutoids are female, or is it Travis's preference to actually have female mutoids? Um, I think it's probably that they had more female costumes than not, and mm. that that it gets you into the Daily Mirror and the Star before the program <laughs> airs by having a sexy photo of the mutoids. Uh, I think that's the real reason. But yeah. I, I don't know. I never really... I mean, one of the things I liked about Travis was the fact that he never really brought any sort of sort of sexual preference or anything like that. He's pure business, isn't he? Yeah. He's not... Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But, but these mutoids, you know, when they snap to attention, they come in, they reminded me an awful lot of the robo-men from the Dalek yes. invasion of Earth, you know, the way they yes. are. Yeah. And they dress... Um, if you go for the movie one... Yeah. Um, then yeah, they dress shiny black. similar. Yeah. 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 Um, again, we're not focusing on this episode, just the mutoids. So we're mm. skipping an awful lot here. But later on, we we hear that she's got this cold, clipped voice, as as we heard in the last episode. Yes. Understood. Well? Space security report. Our interceptors have detected an alien ship. Has it been identified? Available data suggests it could be the Liberator. Suggests? Suggests? Of course it's the Liberator. What action's been taken? Our ships are in pursuit. I don't know. I, I mean, Glynis Barber was born in South Africa, and there is yeah. a bit of a non-English accent in there, isn't there? Yeah, there's a little bit of a twang there. Yeah. And she's got a far more pronounced pearlescent sheen to her skin. You know, they're yeah, very they... white and there's a shininess to it. Is that meant to be to signify, you know, dead skin tissue? You know, they are the undead, if you like. Um, yeah, I think it probably is. I think, again, it's as because obviously it's different directors and things. And as they went on, I imagine, again, the directors would read in the script that mutos, mutoids are uh, robotic dead and they would start adding things to show this um but i quite like it it could also be that um they're not designed for cold weather and travis has uh, not read the instruction book properly and that's why their skin's <laughs> starting to go all right okay well that's pretty much it i mean as i say i don't want to talk too much about this episode no. that's uh, she she is there in imparting information all the way through um you never see what becomes of her so yeah the mutoids in this one uh, were played by monique bryant michelle de wilk christina halstead christopher holmes again the guy that was on it last time uh, roberta kingsley and glynis barber and as last time we'll focus on the main one glynis barber she's got a genre tally of 10 which is kind of high two blake sevens as we know she was in a version of the hound of the baskervilles 
Um, you've alluded to Jane, that god awful um, <laughs> thing that that she did. Was it? It was after Blake Seven. It was it after, was after Sulean, Blake wasn't Seven. It? Yes, yeah, it was about, yeah. about eighty-two, eighty-three. Yeah, that was terrible, wasn't it? It was an awful. Yeah, that, they would never like show Captain that now. Zep. Captain Zep for for pervy adults. That wasn't it? No, dreadful. Um, she was woman with fur in an episode of Red Dwarf. Okay. All right. Um, she was in something called Turbocharged Thunderbirds. Ah, uh, was that Wait, the... It, it, it no, was I'm the one before Thunderbirds, Thunderbirds came... Yeah, it, it was that attempt at re- bringing back Thunderbirds before they did properly bring back Thunderbirds. Right. Yeah. She was in something called Goosebumps, which I know is for children, and but I don't know anything more than that. Um, something called The Fairy King of R. R? Which I... I don't think it's the R from, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, And she was in an episode of Highlander, the TV series. Say no more. So I'm I'm thinking she moved to America then, is what we're thinking. I think so. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think think this is post-Dempsey and Makepeace and she had gone to America. I know she she occasionally comes back into uh, EastEnders Mm. and she doesn't look a day older. And you think, how the hell is she doing that? She's a vampire. That's what it oh, is. Oh, of course. They are vampires, oh, these yes. mutoids. Yes. That's where the budget <laughs> right. went. They actually turned them into vampires. <laughs> Where's the BBC? You get value for yes. money then. That's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. They're still employing her. Yeah. All right. Next episode they're in is Gan's last episode, uh, Pressure Point. Um, again, they're all female, but they don't do much. Um, no. So, so I think so... We've, we've, we've sort of, even though we're, we've only done a couple of episodes, we've sort of peaked. We've we had the, the, we've We've had the best of the... Of the mutoids, haven't we? Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, I mean, in this one, I mean, this is when the mutoids get pushed to the back, literally, because yeah. they're extras. They are operating ships or something like that. Um, in Pressure Point, again, all female, don't do much. Uh, so we'll just list the extras who played them. Sue Bishop, uh, Barbara Hampshire, and Sally Sinclair, who's actually appeared in the show twice, uh, the other one being a space rat in Star oh. Drive, okay? Uh, Sue Bishop has done more, though. She's got a genre tally of three. She was in uh, Legend of the Werewolf, okay? Uh, she was in Doctor Who, okay, mm. um, in Brain of Morbius. She was one of the sisters. Ah, sisterhood, yeah. yeah. You know, the, 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 the coven there. Uh, the, yeah, Khan. Yeah, Khan, yeah. Not that Khan, the other no. Khan. Yeah. Um, and this Blake Seven, so that's a genre tally of three, and it also gives her a Who tally, of uh, one for her brain of Morbius. All right. She's so, not doing bad. Not doing bad. Zip forward. Next episode they're in is Trial. Yes. Um, again, one of my. F- well, I, I'm half in love with this episode and I, I half hate it. And you can probably work out which bits I love and which we bits I are hate. Talk- we are talking about Trial in an upcoming episode. Oh, yeah. Not to do with Travis Mark 2, though. Somebody else. <gasps> is it Trupapa? It it, I, I, I was consi- I was considering old mm. Kevin there, Trooper Parr, yeah. but no, 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 somebody on the uh, judging board. All right, oh, wait. but I'll, I'll 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 talk to you about that off screen. All right, all right. So in trial, they're only mentioned um, in this one. Yes, uh, Servalan at the end. She gives Travis a pursuit ship and three mutoids, who she orders to have blanked and their minds wiped with the instruction that they should only take orders from the first person to use the word outlaw. Yeah, which again is, so they don't appear, but we do get 
a, a fairly important bit of backstory, don't we? That, that it's an excellent bit of backstory. Yeah. yeah. Um, not only do we know that their minds, yes, it, it's it's a mental thing as well as a physical thing. They can be, you know, adapted, you know, to your use, become slaves if you like, yeah. you know. But I like the way that this episode ends. That you've got Travis in his own pursuit ship with three mutoids to just do what he wants. You know, he's off the grid. He's working for Serverland, but yeah. you know it's they, all they off could the have got a whole. They could have got another series, a spin-off out of it, can they? Travis and his gang. Uh, what I would like is Big Finish to actually document this bit now, yeah. where you can bring back Brian Coucher, Croucher or Stephen Grief and have them as Travis, and this is the time between this episode and the next time we see Travis of his hunting down uh, Blake. Yeah. I think that'd be terrific. I think, yeah. It's, uh, there's a lot of untold stories there. You could bring back Glynis Barber. Glynis Barber you could, could yeah. be one of the, the, you know, the chief mutoid. Yeah. And uh, enjoyed, huh? the woman who played what in Jewel? Kiera. Yeah. Her, Glynis yeah. Barber, Brian Croucher. In fact, yeah, they could do the whole of, uh, of Kiera's backstory. There you go. I'm surprised yeah. they haven't. Big finish. They do so many, you know, offshoots. That's true. And, there's and there's no bandwagon they won't jump on. So. Yeah, there you go. Are you listening, Big Finish? Come on, commission yeah. it, you know. Right. Next time we see Travis, though, is in Hostage. Um, and he's lost them. Um, <laughs> it, he hasn't got Mutoids. He's got Crimos now. Crimos, yes. The, uh, the abysmally terrible Crimos. <sighs> they are awful. They are just, awful. Just shockingly terrible they're not even space crimos they are just thugs apart from one um moloch mm. not moloch that we um come yeah. across in the thing but i quite like him we might do an episode on him because he, he i think he's quite he's got a face for villainy and uh yeah he is creepy we might do an episode on him um, Wait, things, but... things that 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 the sort of sci-fi in particular never seem to grasp is that Evil and criminal people generally don't refer to themselves as evil or criminal. They no. think they're being normal. <laughs> Why are they called crimos? Yeah, no, I, that, that, I hate that term. You know, it's it, yeah. it, it it's it's just lazy. It's like, oh, they're criminals. Let's call them crimos. No, yeah. no, no, no. But we do have mutoids in this. We have them right at the start. We see inside a pursuit ship. And as I say, you know, it's the only other time we see a space commander that's not Travis. It's the guy who's with two mutoids, and um, he's unnamed. Um, and they're setting up an attack on the Liberator using 20 pursuit ships. See, Travis only needed three. I know. That, he's just not Travis. Here, no, the mutoids not. are a bit different because they've removed those. He's not a patch those... on Travis. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I had to fit that one in. I, I should have that sound fe effect of the old drum thing that budding yeah. ching. <laughs> yes, um, it's it's weird here, you know. Yeah, that, oh, um, it, yeah, they're strange mutoids, aren't they here? Has she picked us up yet? No, Commander. Good. Our detector shield's working. Give me her exact position in three minutes at present speed. Mark. Computer runner. Commander, to be flotilla. Grid reference 1073 Delta in 2 minutes 23 seconds. Mark. Attack in sections. Alpha section leads. 13 seconds between waves. Speed. Time distort 10. Now we'll see what the Liberator is made of. 2 minutes. She won't get away a second time. 
Do we join the action, Space Commander? No, we just watch the execution. They, they, they haven't got their helmets on, and they've got, like, identical blonde wigs on. They, I'm they assuming look, they're wigs. Yeah, they look like an old-age people's home out in. <laughs> they look like, you know... Uh, and again, this is... I don't know whether this still happens. You don't generally see it, but in the 70s... All old people, as soon as they got to 65, they were given a bus pass, retirement pension, and a blue rinse. Yeah. And yeah. every pensioner you saw had curly blue hair, curly blondy blue hair. And yeah, it's awful. And the uniforms have gone terrible as well. Yeah, it, it, it's not a good look. I don't know why they've decided to revamp them, because the BBC, you know, they don't have much money. You've got these, you've got these costumes hanging up on hangers, so well, why I mean, go to I... the expense of remaking them? Well, I don't. I mean, I might might be wrong here because they they sold off a load of um, Blake Seven costumes, so these costumes might have re, might still exist. But I my gut feeling would be that they the mutoid costumes were either lent out to something else and got altered, so they weren't available to use, or the BBC just lost them or got rid of them or chucked them in a skip. Right. right. Um, so, but these are these are awful. And again, I I sort of wonder if these were from something else. Mm, could you be. Know, I I would love I would love to have spent my life as a costume historian, just putting together where costumes overlap in in uh, areas for different sci-fi stuff. Right, right. I would, that would be fascinating for me, but probably boring for everyone else. Yeah. Well, later on, I mean, we that that, that attack fails. Uh, we don't see that yes. guy or his ships anymore. But later on, we've got another mutoid on Serverland's command ship, uh, whose logic and reason kind of gets her into conflict with her boss. Estimated time to expo. Planet 4 will be at 2159 standard. Are we at full capacity? We are calculating at time distort 9. That is our safety maximum. I thought this ship was capable of time distort 10. That is the emergency maximum. This is emergency time distort 10. Yes, Supreme Commander. Time distort 10. Mutoids, don't you ever question anything? This is not our function. Our function is to obey without question. Computer reports message from Councillor Joban. Ignore it. It is from headquarters, Supreme Commander. I said, ignore it. It is directed to the ship. Is it directed to you? No. To whom is it directed? To you. And I said, ignore it. Understood. Understood. Serverland's not someone to um, point out the error of her ways to, is she? Yeah, I, I, I love her. I, lo I love yeah. Serverland. I, I, I love this scene. You know, I love the mutoid yeah. because the mutoid is like, I've got to do this. And she's like, is yeah. that, was the message aimed at you? And all like this, you know? And, and yeah, no, no, terrific little scene that, you know? Um, and that's it for this episode. So in this, the actors for the Mutoids are Judith Porter, Barbara Hampshire, and Margaret Pillow. Okay. Now, Barbara Hampshire rings a bell. Really? Well, she's yeah. going to be, she's going to be popping up again um, in, in the tally. But, uh, Margaret gets this because she gets the speaking role, all right? So yeah. she's got a genre tally of three. Um, she was um, in Doctor Who as a technician in Doctor Who and the Silurians. All right. All right. She was in Doom Watch. 
and yep. she was in this in Blake 7, all right? So she gets a genre tally of three and a who tally of one for the Silurian one, all right? Some, yeah, I think that's yeah. a, a respectable tally for some good yeah. programs. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Next up, uh, we zip to the third season and we've got uh, Volcano. No, oh. I know. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does make you shudder when you think about that one. Um, that, now, now, you said before in the last one, you know, they got a bit of a makeover. They get an even more substantial makeover in this. Um, now, I was trying to justify it. I mean, all those things that you were saying there about, you know, maybe they just flogged them, maybe they reused them or whatever. But the only explanation I can think of that's in keeping for this new look is that they these are the ones on Serverland's new command ship, okay? Um, and we've got four females manning the controls. They've still got the helmet, but now they've got this, like, silver dog collar affair going on they've got some sort of silver trim going around their shoulders they've got a silver chest section a strange silver skirt affair and silver boots now we're getting into look wise spoof science fiction i think yeah. it, 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 this is what kenny everett would have done you know yeah. um on a science fiction sketch you know yeah we're, we're into the top of the pups era of blake seven aren't we where everything is is silver sticky back plastic and oh it's just not good i think the the reason the reason that uh that things change so much in this is that obviously each of these shows had different costume designers on and if you give a costume designer a job i think there's an element of they've got to make changes because otherwise what is their position at the bbc hmm. if if a, if a costume designer says oh, we've got everything in stock don't worry about it someone higher up is going to say why are we paying them so i think yeah, true. and i'm i'm gen, i'm genuine this i'm not not being sort of facetious or anything i honestly think this is a, a thing of and people always go why did they change that why did they change this way and it's because as soon as you bring someone on to change something to do something they have to be seen to do it. And it happens in all walks of life. Yeah. Exactly. They're justifying their own jobs. So I imagine they they may well have looked at the costume and gone. And it could be that they their personal preference was, oh, I like silver stuff. It's space, isn't it? And they've put it on. But I imagine a lot of it is I've got to justify why this program needs a new costume designer and we're not just getting it all out of stock. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah, but you've got four of them, and they're sat on what, what looks like bar stalls yeah. um, as they gaze oh, at the big illuminated panels of the flight deck. No, it's not good. Uh, they've still got the clip vocal style, but yeah. the silvery makeup has gone now. Um, but you don't see them outside of the ship. I mean, when, when they land on Obsidian, the grunt work is carried out by Federation guards. Okay. Yes. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Now, for the Mutoids this time, we've got... Gene Haviland, Karen Cooper, Sue Berkshire, and in the speaking role, Judy Matheson. Now, Judy has the distinction mm. of being the last ever mutoid to speak. Without Blake, the Liberator's no immediate threat to our plans. No, Madam President. Well, the crew have no political ambitions. They are merely criminals. Um, her last line being, they are merely criminals which I think kind of sums up the Federation's viewpoint there, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now, Judy is quite a Facebooker, 
okay? So I contacted her to see if there was anything she remembered of her shoot, okay? Um, bearing in mind, you know, this is quite a long time ago now, and it's like, you know, you know 40 years ago that they did this episode. I, I wasn't really expecting much, but no, she did get back to me, and she has got some little uh, anecdotes, so I'll, oh. I'll read them off to you, okay? Nice one. So um, she says, I definitely remember how I got it. I had worked with director Desmond McCarthy on, on Crossroads. Um, he invited me to lunch at the BBC and asked me to do it. It's always flattering to be asked to work with someone a second time, so I was delighted to accept. Script unseen. Okay. When I, when I got the script, I, could make, I, I couldn't make head nor tail of it. I hadn't seen Blake Seven, and I couldn't understand my dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I knew nothing about mutoids and have learnt little since. I do find it interesting that I was the last one ever to speak. Is that common knowledge? And uh, yes, I was fitted for the costume and was totally appalled by it, especially the <laughs> hat. So <laughs> there you go. I I, so. I think what you're saying there with the, you know a new costume designer, yes, um, Judy was fitted for it. This is yeah. a brand new outfit. It wasn't you know cannibalised from the old ones, and that's why she went for a fitting for it. You know. Yeah, which again either suggests that the old costumes had gone, or as I said, I think new costume designers just want to they want to be paid to do their job sort of thing yeah yeah sure so yeah thank th- thank you very much judy that was a good bit of info that was nice of her yeah 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 very nice of her um she has a genre tally of 6 all right um lust for a vampire the hammer film Twins I think that's of Evil. where I know her from. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. She was in Twins of Evil when she was in Lust for a Vampire. Yeah. Twins of Evil, she, at the beginning of Twins of Evil, you know, that's the one where you've got Peter Cushing as that incredibly dark, puritanical, yeah. um, you know, witch hunter general, basically. Uh, and, um, yeah, she is the innocent girl who's pulled out the cabin at the beginning and burnt at uh-huh. the stake, you know. Um, so, yeah, she was also in Crucible of Terror. All right. All right. Something called the Flesh and Blood Show, Blake Seven, and then a thing that she made from last year, which I haven't seen. It and it's called Frankula. All right, Frankula. Frankula. Uh, it it it's a bizarre notion. I I haven't seen it. As I say, I've 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 got to steal myself and watch it. It's a bizarre notion. It, it's a Fen Street Gang spin-off. Okay. What? Yeah, where Frankie Abbott is living in a care home. The actual guy that played Abbott, oh, yeah. in in uh, he, he's being uh, he's living in a care home. He's being tended by vampire uh, a vampire played by Caroline Munro, right? And Judy plays Vera Vomit. Okay. <laughs> I told I told you it was bizarre. <laughs> That's like wow. Yeah, Frankie Abbott from Fen Street Gang in a care home with a vampire carer Caroline Munro and Judy as Vera Vomit. That that almost strikes me as that's the ultimate we haven't got anything else to do meeting where that was proposed. <laughs> I, I, if I can find it on YouTube or somewhere, yeah. I'll put it up on the Facebook page and everyone can take a look, all right? Yeah, that's really aiming at a, a cult audience, that. That is it? a niche market, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Frankie Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I know we talked about Fen Street yeah. Gang and please, sir, when we were talking about uh, Carol Hawkins, weren't we? You know, on um, the Baben episode, I didn't think we'd be talking about please, sir, and Fen Street Gang Quite again. Quite so often, yeah. 
That's makes you wonder where a recurring theme. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Where next is it going to turn up? Blimey! Yeah. All right, they next show up again in the silvery outfit in Harvest of Kairos, and another episode that to make you shudder. Um, yeah. Still, man in Serverland's dialogue uh, ship, though no dialogue. Okay. And um, and again, they're played by Sue Berkshire and Gene Haviland from the last episode. So I guess they never got off. I mean, I don't think they have holidays or days yeah. off, mutoids. Or they um, they filmed those scenes at the same time. Mm. Yeah, Was yeah, Serverland yeah. wearing the same thing? Seems unlikely, but... I was looking at the mutoids. Uh-huh. All right, so Children of Auron is the next one, and yet again they're silently working the controls, uh, sat yeah. on those bar stalls. Um, we've got Gene Haviland again, but now there's Karen Cooper, Jackie Elston, and Jenny Elston. Karen Cooper is interested in that she's been in Blake Seven multiple times, okay, uh-huh. giving her uh, a, a genre tally of five. Um, she's a mutoid here and in Volcano. Uh, she was a gambler in Gambit. She was one of those strange, bizarre mourner things in Sarcophagus. You know, that really... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've got to do <sighs> that at some point. And a rebel in Voice from the Past. Oh. Okay. So that's that. On to the next one. Yeah, they, they after Judy's last lines, they are just extras now, aren't they? Yeah. Moloch um, is, is the next one. And here Servalan has one down with her while she's down on the planet, um, who gets promptly shot. Um, and uh, she's uncredited on IMDb. Um, whoever that lady was as the mutoid, we don't well, know who she we'll is. We'll never know. The unknown mutoid. Yeah, and it's a Bless. rapid da- downward spiral mm. now because the last time we ever see them is in Season four's Animals. <laughs> yeah, another shudder. Um, and now they're manning that organic melted spaceship yep. of serverlands um um they've got a makeover for this one no helmet now um they've got a long dark bob okay yeah uh the uniform is black it's back to all black but it's not that padded detailed thing it it, it looks just like the federation guards boiler suit now uh, with a silver th- dog collar yeah this has been made entirely out of stuff they found in the cupboard isn't it this mm, yeah I mean, definitely at the end of the episode, when you see them um, down on the planet, they are wearing, I mean, they've, they've got these outfits over um, uh, on, um, and they're wearing what is painfully obvious paintball masks. Yeah. And it's like, so we've, if you look at them at the beginning of Blake 7, and you look at them now, and it's like, good grief, that is a change. It's, well, to be fair, look, you look at, Blake Seven from the beginning to season four of Blake Seven, yeah, you think, good God, that's a change. That is um, true. Yeah. I wonder at what point they became the 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 go to. That was the look for a Federation person. I don't know, but I think you're right. What you were saying earlier about you know things being sold off and stuff like that. When you yeah. got to season four, and and Animals is an episode uh, episode where this happens is you've got a change in the federation guards outfits as well they've yeah. lost the acrylic you know uh circles the green and the clear acrylic circles on the helmets so you've just got what is very obviously you know a climber's helmet you know um so i don't know i don't know if they were damaged and they couldn't afford to change them or uh, replace them or well, what it's unusual because because they used later on in a, a peter davison doc two story called frontios and oh, they cut true, the front yes. panel off. So the, at least the green acrylic attached to a crash helmet still existed somewhere. 
So why um, not use them in the show that they were created for? It's very yeah, weird. Yeah, it's it's strange. I, I I wonder if whether they were just lost or or perhaps they just couldn't be asked. Which it but, sounds a silly thing, but it might know, not be. Yeah, might, I, yeah, I know. I know. In Volcano, you know, when you see the Federation guards in Volcano, you know, that's a location shoot. So maybe yeah. they just didn't have time to get them out of storage. I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. All right. Well, here, I mean, this is the end. This is the end of the mutoids in yeah. animals, and you've got these boiler suits with paintball masks for your outfit. None of them speak, um, and the only one credited is Jill Goldstein. And she's got a genre tally of five, okay. Uh, Doom Watch, um, she's in Doctor Who as, uh, um, is it a masker in the Mask of Mandragora? Mand- I can oh, never right. say yeah. Mandragora. Mask of Mandragora. There Mand- you go, thank Mandragora. you. Mandragora, Mandragora. I, I, I yeah. always used to, it was, again, words like this you only ever read. Yes. <laughs> you never heard. <laughs> you never heard it sp- spoken, yeah. yeah, yeah. She comes back to Doctor Who as a peasant in State of Decay. Um, here in Blake Archie Seven, born to play. Yeah. Yes, and uh, the 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 best uh, role that I've seen on any of genre tallies so far, she was in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as a young squirrel. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I, I don't think you could top that. That beats <laughs> the Flesh and Blood show or whatever it was, doesn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Sure yeah. All right, and so yeah, so she gets a Who tally of two as well as a genre tally of five. And that's it. That that yeah. is the history of the mutoids. It's a, a fascinating concept that I don't think was ever. They, didn't, they just they became, didn't they use became it, thugs, did they? didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they were extras or thugs, and yet yeah. it's a shame because they started off with a lot of potential, and I would like to yeah. have seen it explored more. And and who knows, you know, maybe yeah, you know, Big Finish might do something yeah. in the future. It, it would I be mean, good, they, wouldn't it? There's there's so many more interesting things they could do with them. And yet they would—they literally became the black hat cowboy, didn't they? That stood behind the villain. That's yeah, or the red shirt in uh, yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, someone to gun down. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. Well, that's it. That's our, that's our look at the mutoids. We're we're back to a regular episode next time, um, and next time is our first uh, visit back to season uh, one. Season one, yes. yes. And in season one, we have uh, Sub Commander Raker next. Uh, good right, old Raker. So. Yeah, good old Raker. We, you and I have talked about him before, on effectively have, yes. speaking, but uh, we've got a lot more to say. So stay tuned, everybody. Look out for the next one, okay? Nice one. Right. See you then, Ian. Speak to you next See time. See you then, Eric. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.